This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Kicking off things is our co-host on the New Beginnings program, Mr. Joe McKenzie. He is the founder of Ripple Connects, rippleconnects.com. You can find him at online at that address or by telephone at 763-438-1621. Joe McKenzie, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Freddie Bell. How are you? Unbelievable. And I'm really excited, really enthused about uh, the topic that we've chosen for today. We are going to talk about uh, your unpaid work experience. That sounds like volunteerism and the process of reinventing your career. So uh, am I off base? What is unpaid work experience and why is it valuable to your career, Joe McKenzie? Well, yeah, simply put, it is volunteering or stepping up to help someone. And it doesn't always need to be for an organization. It could be for an individual that's in your neighborhood or your faith organization. What have you done? How have you helped them? So I don't, I think I want to broaden the, the definition of unpaid uh, work experience. But if you help someone at your faith organization with their resume or you help them craft a, a, a grant for a nonprofit they're starting or what have you, Freddie, that's, that's invaluable work, ex, unpaid work experience. And I think it's invaluable to someone that's looking to reinvent their career. I've been there. 15 years ago, I was selling copiers and office equipment. Mm-hmm. Now I'm running a nonprofit in the Twin Cities. Well, I got my start serving on boards of directors of nonprofits. I learned the ins and outs. I learned the challenges. I learned the things that I needed. I did not get paid one dime to serve on those boards. Yet, I've been able to reinvent my career. So I am confident that others have had that same experience. And I want to share that with others today as they look at their careers or wanting to reinvent their careers or in career transition. It's possible that your, your unpaid work experience that you've already gone through or working on now or looking to do may help you reinvent your career. Wow, everybody, we're talking with Joe McKenzie, co-host on New Beginnings, about your unpaid work experience and the process of reinventing your career. As we look at this, Joe McKenzie, so do you find in talking with uh, different people that people tend to undervalue their unpaid work experience? I think they do. I, I think a lot of people, they are, they they're, they're volunteering their time, energy, talents, and skills for the greater good. And I completely understand that and respect that. I've been there. I've served on nonprofit boards and I've given back. I've helped guide an organization because that was the right thing to do for the greater good. But I also learned that my leadership, my communication, my ability to strategize to help an organization move forward was something that I got from that, that I could use almost in a portable fashion. I could take that into my career. And so, yes, I do think people first and foremost think about serving the greater good in their community, but think about what that experience does for you. And if if you're stuck in a career or looking to do something different, why not take some of that unpaid work experience that you've already completed or you're in the midst of and consider reinventing your career. That's why I think we might be one of the first programs in the Twin Cities to talk about the the relevancy between unpaid work experience and someone's career. 
So talk about that. Let's bring it together now because that's the title of this week's conversation. Now, the unpaid work experience and the process of reinventing your career. How do we bridge that too when a person is looking to reinvent their career? Absolutely. That experience is so invaluable that you do need to be open. You got to open your eyes for the possibilities or to the possibilities of what could happen. So if someone hears me today and they are volunteering, Take a moment to think about what you're, you're experiencing there, what you're learning, how you're growing. And that's how you start bridging that, okay, I am here to serve my community. I feel really good about it. It's a positive use of my time. But take, take a step further and look beyond that bridge and say, on the other side of that bridge is where I could be in a new career, especially if you're looking to make a change. Mm-hmm. And that's the connection point. And I didn't even realize that, say, 10 years ago when I was serving on actually two distinct nonprofit boards, that what I'm doing today in a paid position as a director at a nonprofit, that experience 10 years ago is invaluable now to me. But it was also helpful for me to realize that I should be open to the possibilities that I can lead an organization, even though for years I was in sales. So, Freddie, to answer your question, take a step further and look beyond that bridge. And that other side of that bridge may be your new career and how you reinvent yourself. So, be takeaway here is be open to the possibilities and also be receptive to the affirmation of the newfound skills that, you're, that you've achieved there because they are valued. They're valued at the point of serving somebody or an organization, but they could also be valued by that next organization that needs you. So what is, what's the first step that you do? Okay, so we've got the recognition piece. So what can that individual do right now to begin to reinvent their career? Where do they begin after the realization step? I think the path of least resistance could be where, you're, where you've already volunteered or you're currently volunteering to look at what you're doing there, what you like about, you know, what you're gaining from that, and look at maybe similar organizations that can that you know you might be able to you know use in the for-profit or nonprofit world. And so look at the path of release. Where are you at now? Say you are helping someone in career transition, or you're helping fundraise, or you're you know helping someone write a grant or set up an IT you know network you know f- for somebody. Those are things that you start looking at how they can be portable to that next industry. I've seen people from the for-profit go to the nonprofit. I've seen people from the nonprofit go to the for-profit, often based upon some of the experiences. Think about it, Freddie. We've gone to school a number of years ago, decades ago. We were trained to be something, right? That's right. And all of a sudden in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s, we realize, oh my, I can do this. I didn't realize I was a good communicator. I didn't know that I was a good leader. I wasn't, I did, wasn't sure if I could. And that's the beauty of that unpaid work experience. The bar's low, but you know that commitment to that organization or that person is high. And we learn a lot about ourselves along with helping that person or that organization or the greater good. Exactly. So I know that there are people in their 50s who are listening to the program. Maybe their children are listening with them this morning. And I'm curious, so what are some of the initial steps an individual can take 
to put this plan, this idea into action of taking that unpaid work experience and reinventing themselves, especially on the heels or right in the midst of this COVID-19 environment in which we find ourselves? We, we live in a world that's ever changing and it's almost like a snow globe that's being shook up and the, the flakes of snow are starting, they're still in air starting to settle. Well, this might be that time that you, as you are experiencing COVID, but you're also looking back and reflecting upon your unpaid work experience. What do those industries need? What, what does, you know, the logistics and warehousing and, and supply chain need? Maybe it's something that I worked with in regards to a nonprofit or a faith organization that I helped, you know, develop a program. Start looking at the world around you and has, as it starts to settle into a more, there's more clarity on the economy, look where you're needed. And that could start with where you've been and what you're working on right now. And then, as always, Include your bench of advocates. And for those people that are hearing that for the first time, your bench of advocates are the people that know you, that are honest with you, and they're going to give you feedback. Freddie, they may be that next step you take to say, hey, I really enjoyed working with so-and-so at this, this organization to help get his resume or set up this program at this nonprofit. Freddie, those bench of advocates are invaluable because, like I said, they know you, they're honest with you, and often they see you differently than you see yourself. And that was the case with me. I know my mentor in 2008 told me that you may be able to turn career coaching upside down here in the Twin Cities. You just don't know it yet. And it's because of some of the gifts that you're bringing from another industry. And that industry was I was training salespeople on how to demonstrate high-end equipment. And just, you know, having that wherewithal to, to work with people, to, to get them so practiced, that was the early iteration of turning candidates into contenders, is getting people so practiced that they're so ready. But that's what I learned about myself, Freddie. And that was through volunteering. That was volunteering to speak to groups long before Ripple Connects or collaborating with you on the beginnings was ever in my mind. Wow. Joe, we got to leave it right there, but you do some fine work at Ripple Connects. Yes, we do. We turn candidates into contenders. And our program continues right now. You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Good morning and welcome to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell. Let's talk a little bit about your health. There's an old adage that used to say, or maybe it's a grandmother saying, maybe a mother saying that a spoonful of honey or sugar can make a cough go away. And it'll a little adaptation on that. You may want to have honey on hand the next time you catch a cold, according to some people we've talked with. That's because honey has been shown to provide better cough relief than some of the -the over-the-counter drugs. Oxford University researchers said in findings, it's been published in the BMJ Evidence-Based Medicine Journal. They say that honey is more effective than usual care alternatives for improving upper respiratory tract infection symptoms, particularly cough frequency and cough severity. According to the scientists, researchers say they reviewed 14 past studies about upper respiratory tract infections, also known as the common cold. Symptoms can include running or stuffy nose, sneezing, sore throat, and coughing. I know some of us have gone through that or are going through it right now. Four of the studies examined comparisons between honey and diphendramamine, the antihistamine that can be used to relieve coughs, according to the U.S. government. 
is sold under several different brand names, including Benadryl and Unisum, and combined with other ingredients and some cold medicines. In their findings, Oxford scientists said honey was significantly better than diphenhydramine at improving coughing. The results come from studies that included 385 participants, the data shows, but honey was not significantly better at cough relief when compared with another class of medicines called dextromethaphan. That according to a review of two studies combined with 137 patients. Dextromethaphan is used to suppress coughs and can be found on pharmacy shelves and products such as Robitussin and Mucinex. Scientists reviewing the common cold studies have also found comparisons with placebos are more limited and require more high-quality placebo-controlled trials, they say. Anyone sick with a cold should talk to a pharmacist or your doctor about the best medicines for them, according to health officials. They say that over-the-counter medicines may provide temporary relief of symptoms, but they'll not cure your illnesses, that according to the CDC. The CDC also includes honey on this list of possible ways to suppress coughs. Other tips for feeling better from a cold might include getting enough rest, breathing in steam, and using a saline spray. Health officials and researchers caution against using antibiotics for cold relief. They say they don't help patients get better and could possibly lead to infections that are resistant to bacteria. A little honey could make the day go better for you. You're listening to New Beginnings. As we continue talking about health on New Beginnings, there's some encouraging news about the rate and the increase of dementia. Although the number of people with dementia continues to increase, the rate of growth has declined by 13% in each of the past three decades. The brain disorder affects nearly 50 million people worldwide. The new finding reported by Harvard researchers in the journal Neurology is suggesting that the number of people developing dementia in coming years may be less than expected. Nonetheless, that number known as the prevalence of dementia is expected to triple in the next 30 years, growing to more than 150 million people worldwide, due in large part to increases in life expectancy and population size. The researchers cited a somewhat stronger decline in the rate of growth among men than women, 24% versus 8%. They projected that if the trend continues, it is possible that as many as 60 million fewer people than expected would develop dementia worldwide by 2040. The researchers did not determine underlying causes of the decline in incidence, but they noted that improvements in lifestyle overall may have contributed. The research was based on data from seven long-term studies involving 49,000 people who are 65 years of age and older. And we're also finding that polio has been eradicated from Africa. Yes, polio was declared eradicated in Africa just a few days ago, leaving only one region in the world where the wild strain of the virus remains. Polio is a highly contagious disease that is generally passed through the fecal-oral route or sometimes through contaminated food and water. It affects mainly children younger than five and can cause paralysis. Rose Leake, who is chairwoman of the African Regional Commission for the Certification of the Eradication of Poliomyelitis, called it a historic public health achievement. Wild polio cases have decreased by 99.9% since vaccination programs were widely introduced in 1988. But until recently, Nigeria and the Central African Republic, South Sudan, and Cameroon still had pockets of the infection. 
Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari, whose country was the last on the continent to be declared free of wild polio, warned that Africa must avoid a resurgence of this disease. Challenges to immunization and therefore eradication included displaced communities, political unrest, and geographical isolation, as well as suspicion of vaccines. With the African region declared polio-free, only Afghanistan and Pakistan still suffer endemic transmission of the virus. Great news for our health this weekend on New Beginnings. Freddie welcomes Kelly Von Heidekamp of West Metro Hypnosis. You can find her, of course, by the plain old telephone system, the POTS line at 952-222-3975 or online at westmetrohypnosis.com. Last week when we got together, we were talking about neuroscience and before we knew it, there was time to step away, but there's a part two. So can you recap on what we visited about last week to bring us up to date to this week's discussion? Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Freddie. And what we talked about last week was this neuroscience scientist, uh, the podcast that I was listening to, and how he was talking about the states of mind that high performance people get into in order to be high performance. And one of the states um, that really allows us to be a high performer is what he describes as a state of clear calm focus so it's a it's a relaxed state but the the mind is highly focused and your mind is 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 clear from distractions and in that state he was talking about the necessity for a certain amount of stress meaning the stress chemi- the chemicals that make up stress the um, adrenaline and cortisol so understanding that there is an appropriate place for stress chemicals in the body. Stress chemicals in the body allow us to go into action. Now, the key piece of this, and people who are high performers understand how to manage their states. And what this neuroscientist has found is that in, so when the brain is in spending a whole lot of time, most of our waking state in these processes of outlining duration, path, and out, or duration, path, and outcome, um, that's a longer way of saying a particular activity. If there is no room in there for pulling back, for contemplation, for decompression, for bringing yourself back into a state of renewal where you're almost in this place of, of um, suspension, where, where all activity, all thought is suspended, where you are untethered. If, you are, if we are not doing this on a regular basis, this is what stress, this is what causes stress to kind of go into overdrive because we aren't allowing ourselves these spaces of relaxation and renewal. And I think we live in a culture where those things are not necessarily um, built in. We don't necessarily make time in our day. And I would hope that one of the benefits of this whole COVID thing is that people really got a taste for what it means to be highly engaged in an activity all in and then to pull back and go into a resting phase that our biology is wired and to 
and and has this need to be simply suspended in time and space without the need to constantly be uh, putting productivity forth. So um, I don't know if we're there yet, but again, my hope is that from this whole um, COVID experience that that is one of the things that we are coming out of with that we understand that rest is not a luxury it is an absolute necessity Mm. for our entire nervous systems to do a full reset each and every day and various times throughout the day as well boy some wise words right there Thank you so much, Kelly. And again, if you like more information from Kelly about neuroscience, you can go to westmetrohypnosis.com or call her by phone at 952-222-3975. And this is New Beginnings. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. And it's our pleasure right now to Welcome to our program. An individual who has a long history with the Selby Avenue Jazz Fest. Please welcome as we get together with AARP Minnesota and Golden Time Coffee Cafe to present the latest 2020 Selby Avenue Jazz Fest. Say hello to Dave Bonco. He's a communications director for Selby Avenue Jazz Fest. And I'm sure that it will look a little different this year to people who participate. Dave, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having us on. Um, yes, it will look different. Um, we're taking it virtual because of COVID-19, like most and if not all music festivals that are throughout the Twin Cities. So um, we'll be presenting four nights of music each Saturday night, a different artist, and we'll be kicking it off this Saturday uh, with Sherman and Shapira, a, a wonderful jazz duo that's been around the Twin Cities now for a good 20 plus years. Mm. So four weekends, you'll have the Selby Jazz Fest. Now, is, how different that, is that with the timing for the previous Jazz Fest? We used to just have it one day a week. It's always traditionally been the second Saturday in September. Kick off at about 11 a.m. with a New Orleans-style type procession and then going up to 8 o'clock at night. Uh, Whereas this year we're presenting, it's four acts, one act each Saturday evening, starting at 7. So it's it's kind of extending it, but on the the flip side, uh, Michael Wright, who's the founder of the fest, was like, you know, there's a lot of great jazz talent and artists in Twin Cities, and these folks need a place to play. So we're going to do our best to help them out. That's why we went four nights. Well, so where would the artists be performing from on each weekend? Well, we we have them performing from uh, Walker West Music Academy, the, their um, presentation hall and studio there. Our last artist is uh, Machito Herrera, who is a jazz pianist and a COVID survivor. Many uh, jazz uh, aficionados in the Twin Cities know he suffered from COVID and has overcome the illness. And we, we did film him earlier in his, uh, in his home. Mm-hmm. And he'll be pre- performing from his home, which would be kind of a neat place to live by because as a neighbor, you'd be hearing that music going all the time. It was, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive. Wow. Everybody, we're talking with Dave Bonko. He's a communications director for the Selby Avenue Jazz Fest happening all week, all every weekend of the month of September. And I'm just curious. I noticed that you have one of my favorites who used to sing background for Luther Vandross, the late great Luther Vandross, and has had stints with the Sounds of Blackness, Patty Lacey. Tell us about her performance. Well, she'll be playing with uh, the PJP trio, Patty, and then she has a uh, couple of other uh, individuals. She has a pianist and a drummer. 
that will be performing with her. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Patty is a longtime performer at Selby Avenue Jazz. I think I counted over 10 years she's performed at the event. So we're, we're happy to have her. Um, and, uh, yeah, fans of Patty know that she does put on quite the performance. So, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be real good. This is its 19th year. And it started in 2002. It was a simple, back then it was a simple, kind of just a block party Michael had to thank uh, people for his first year of support when he opened up Golden Time. And since then, it's morphed into this you know, fairly large event that we've we've had as many as twelve to 15,000 people over the past few years. Wow. And uh, it, it it's a nice event. It, it, people get together, and uh, there's a lot of shared community and a lot of spirit that, that comes from, you know, experiencing a, a live music event and, and sharing that with people. So, um it's hard being online. I'll tell you, we've had to change from, <laughs> from a live event company to, you know, an organization to now a TV production company. And the jargon's different. The terms are different. The technology is different. And, uh, I personally, I'll be looking forward to going back in person in 2021, making Indeed. a live event. Indeed. So how can people who are big fans of the Selby jazz festival access it these coming weekends? We'll have it on our website and that's at Selby Ave jazzfest.com or on our Facebook page and we'll be streaming through those and you'll be streaming. So one more time with the participants, your performers and each week, who do you have one more time for us? Sure. September 5th, Sharman and Shapira, which is a jazz duo of guitarist and vocalist. The next week will be the Solomon Parham quintet and more traditional jazz. Following that, the PJP trio, which is featuring Patricia Lacey. And then we're closing her out with uh, Nachito Herrera. And that is, a, he'll be playing piano, and then his, his daughter will actually join him for a couple of songs, too. It's a, that performance I got to see, it was quite rousing. It was really, really good. Does it cost anything to participate and see these wonderful performers? No, no, no. Selby Avenue Jazz has been founded on providing access to the arts, regardless what people have in terms of funds. It's, no, it's a community event. Everyone's welcome. There's no entrance fee. Dave, I can't thank you enough for being with us from the Selby Avenue Jazz Festival and an event sponsored by AARP Minnesota and Golden Time Coffee Cafe. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And we'll see everybody starting this Saturday. All right. Minneapolis Public Housing is right now on New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. And we turn our attention to the Core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center. The property manager is with us now, Kitty Harris. She does a lot of fine work at the Core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center with its number of programs, albeit uh, curtailed somewhat because of the pandemic, but still active nonetheless. Kitty Harris, good morning and welcome back to the program. Good morning, Freddie. Always a pleasure to be here. Talk about what might be happening at the Core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center, if anything. Yes, so September is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and for um, those listeners who do not know, uh, the Cormac Corby Center is attached to Thomas T. Feeney Manor, which is the first memory care facility public housing functioning in the country. And so our mission has always been to make sure that we were making North Minneapolis a dementia-friendly community. And so we always love whenever we can do anything to support the work of the Alzheimer's Association. Now, typically, we would do a walk to celebrate um, the walk to end Alzheimer's with every year, and we have teams that get together here, and we compete amongst each other. 
And so this year, the walk looks a little bit different. So what we are asking everybody to do is work within their communities to gather people together and do a walk in memory of. The walk is normally at the Target Center and it's thousands of people and we raise funds for it. Um, but this year, due to the restrictions of coronavirus, obviously, we're not going to gather. So people can get more information on donating and walking by visiting www.alz.org slash M-N-N-D and learn more information about how you can host or be a part of a walk. There's also an opportunity for people to donate to this cause. And so we're just very excited to still be participating virtually in this endeavor. Well, so that uh, date again, and how do we register once again, Kitty? So people can get more information on donating and walking by visiting www.alz.org slash M-N-N-D. The walk does not have a set date this year, so people can walk all month long and get more information about how they can do a virtual walk. There's teams that have already started throughout Minnesota and North Dakota. And so it's just a great opportunity to support this initiative and walk at your leisure. So you get to go on there and you get to actually pick which day you would like to walk or be a part of. The city of Minneapolis has chosen September the 26th. So if you want to say, hey, I'm going to walk on September the 26th in support of the city of Minneapolis, you certainly can. But there's lots of other cities and dates that you can jump on and support by visiting that Alzheimer's website. All right. And if you missed all of that, I'm sure Kitty will pick up the phone at 612-344-2221. We're talking to Kitty Harris, a property manager at the Core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center. And you're listening to New Beginnings. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Thanks for making us a part of your weekend on New Beginnings. This is Freddie Bell reminding you that every day is a chance for a new beginning. Goodbye, everybody.